Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you tuning in today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on the Bethesda Church app. Now, let's get ready for today's message. Bethesda Church. I am so glad that you've tuned in today. I am excited to share this message with you. We had a great time last weekend for Easter. What an incredible weekend. We preached the gospel to more people than ever before. We also got to introduce our brand new song, Monarchy, for the first time. What an incredible song. I'm so thankful uh, for what God is speaking to us in this season. And I want to say that I am very thankful for technology, and we're excited uh, about bringing the gospel to you, but I'm also very excited about being able to gather again, and hopefully that will be real, real soon. I want to say on behalf of Pastor Karen and myself that we look forward to seeing you again real soon. We love you and your family. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled The Great Exchange. Our first message was was called, I deserve death, but Jesus gave me life. Today, we're going to look at a woman who did something really, really bad and actually got caught, and she deserved condemnation, but because of the grace of Jesus, he gave her mercy. So I want to call the message, I deserve condemnation, but Jesus gave me mercy mercy. Now, as we get started, I'm really, really curious. How many of you have ever done something wrong and you got caught? You've done something wrong and you got caught. Now, here's what I want you to do. In those chat rooms, I want you to let us know if you've ever done anything wrong and got caught. Please don't give us the details. We don't need the gory details, but let us know if that's ever happened to you because I'm almost certain that that would cover every person that is tuned in right now. Uh, Everybody has been busted. Everybody has been caught. Uh, Maybe it was speeding, maybe lying, could be gossiping. Every one of us have, we've experienced doing something wrong and then we get caught. And so I want to read to you today from John chapter eight, starting in verse number one. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman, and you gotta get this, caught in the act of adultery. She's caught in in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. Now, I want us to get a clear picture of what's happening here. Jesus is outside teaching, and there's a group of people around him, and it's an intimate group. It's kind of like if this happened in your small group. So I, I want you to picture what's taking place here. He's teaching the word, and as he's teaching the word, the Pharisees come in, and they're dressed in their full robes, They've got on their headgear. They got on those little tassels. They, I mean, they are, they are dressed to the nine in all of their religious um, 
uh, garb, whatever you want to call that. They are dressed to the nine and they show up and they bring in a woman that they have caught in the act of adultery. Now, chances are, um, if she's just been caught, she probably doesn't have a whole lot of clothes on. Maybe she grabbed a sheet. Maybe she was partially covered. But what we do know is that she was completely humiliated beyond description. And for the record, I don't know how it works where you're from, but where I'm from, it takes two to tango. It takes two to commit adultery. But there is no mention in the scripture of a man being present. Kind of a double standard. That's another sermon for another day. Thought I would bring that out anyway. But this woman is, is caught and they bring her in and, and she's filled with shame and guilt and condemnation. She's actually guilty. They caught her in the act. And you can only imagine, not only did she do wrong, but now they have brought her in in front of a bunch of people and, and they, are, they are showing this to everyone that's present. And I can only imagine the voice of condemnation that this woman was hearing that day. And you guys, you're, you're very familiar with the voice of condemnation. It sounds a lot like this. Your life is ruined. You'll never be able to live this moment down. No one's ever going to love you after they find out what you did. Oh, you call yourself a God person. You call yourself a Christian. After what you did, God could never use you. God will never love you. You are used goods. You are pathetic. You're nothing. What will everyone think about you? See, that is nothing more than the voice of condemnation and shame. And what's interesting to me is that you don't even have to get caught doing something wrong to hear the voice of condemnation and guilt. In fact, sometimes shame and guilt shows up best in the dark. It's when we ha have held on to a secret that we start feeling guilty about it. We start feeling ashamed of it, and we feel that voice, hear that voice of condemnation. In this story, though, we see that the woman is caught in the act of adultery. This is a sexual sin. And there is a lot of shame surrounding sexual sin. There's shame in all kinds of sin, but this woman is, is caught in a sexual sin. And I want to stay there for just a second because there is a lot of darkness surrounding this particular issue. And it doesn't matter if it was pornography or adultery or some other type of sexual sin. There is a lot of darkness that, that surrounds it. Because with sexual sin, there is often on the front end um, adrenaline and uh, intrigue. But on the back end, people often feel ashamed and they are filled with guilt. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've given in to that temptation and now you, you clearly hear the voice of condemnation in your life. And I just want to go ahead and tell you at the front of this message is that you may feel like you deserve condemnation, but I want you to know Jesus came to give you life. 
For others, it may not be a sexual sin. Maybe for you, it's you overeat. You tell yourself, I'm not going to do that anymore, and then you hit a little bump in the road in your life, something happens, and, and then you start eating way too much again, and you feel down on yourself for that. I want to tell you today, even though you feel like you deserve condemnation, Jesus came to give you life. For some people, it's not a sexual sin, maybe not even overeating, but for some people, it could be overspending. You know that you're spending too much. You're spending money before you even receive it. Like you already know where it's going, what you're going to buy next. And you, you use that to cope maybe with feeling lonely and depressed. And you like the, the rush that comes with buying something new. But after the rush goes away, you are sitting there alone. And now you are filled with shame and guilt. I want to stop and say to you, you may feel like you deserve condemnation, but Jesus came to give you life. For others, it may be a substance that just has you. There's something in a bottle, something that you shoot up, something that is really, really small, but it has become bigger than you. And you feel dark when you go back to it over and over again. You may feel like you deserve condemnation, but Jesus came to give you life. Some of you, it's none of that. It, it could be your temper. You've never thrown a temper tantrum, I'm sure. But maybe it's your temper. Maybe you've said before, I'm never going to unload on my spouse like that again. I'm never going to take it out on my kids again. And maybe you even do well for a couple of days. And then you revert back and you unload on the people you love again. And now you feel guilt. You feel ashamed for that. You feel like you deserve condemnation. But God wants you to know that Jesus came specifically to give you life. And I want to say right here is that if you don't deal with these issues before long, you start to think that because I did bad, I am bad. Because I did bad, I am worthless. Some of you, it's not anything that you've done. It's what was done to you. Some people have been in situations where they have been abused by a person, maybe in authority, a person of influence and power, and whatever they did to you, it, it hurt you and it was wrong, but somehow you internalized what they did to you and, and Satan has twisted those events in your own mind and now you think you deserved it. You think you did something to deserve what they did to you, that you brought it on yourself. You think that you're the problem and so you deal with the shame and the guilt, and the condemnation. I did bad, so many of us feel I am bad. Someone did something to me, therefore I am bad. This woman, if she was living, this woman who was caught in John 8, in, in the act of adultery, if she was living in our world today, in our context, she would be thinking some of the same things that we would be thinking. I'm sure in, in her mind, she's thinking, my husband will, will never love me again. My kids will never respect me again. All the women are going to be talking about me. 
They're probably whispering right now, keep your man away from her because she's a husband still, or blah, 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 blah. All the same thoughts that we have when we've made a mistake and then the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that comes on top of it. She would be thinking all the same thoughts that you and I think when we mess up, when we come, when we come up short. But what was different for her is that in our context, we may say my life is over, but what we're really saying is nobody's gonna like me. But for her, she is literally saying my life is over. And the reason she would be saying that my life is now over is because at the moment she committed this sin, it was considered to be one of the top three worst sins in Jewish culture. And the, the punishment for this sin was to be stoned to death. So she, she's literally thinking, I'm going to die. My life is over. And so she is being dragged by the religious people of that day, the Pharisees of that day. And she's being dragged, she's being brought, literally like a trial. And, and she's thinking, my life is over. And, and I wanna say one more time, you may feel that what you did has brought your life to an abrupt end, maybe with relationships and maybe with influence. And, and you may say today, I, I deserve, Pastor, I just deserve, Pastor Chad, condemnation. I deserve to feel like this. But I want you to know that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. You may deserve condemnation, but Jesus wants to give you mercy. I want us to grab a hold of this today because this is the heart of the gospel. We continue reading in verses three through five. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, we got to pause for a minute and ask, what are the Pharisees doing here? What, what are they trying to accomplish? And we know, if you've read the Bible, you know that the Pharisees did not care about this woman at all. All they wanted to do was to leverage her pain and leverage her hurt to trap Jesus. And here's how they were trying to trap Jesus. If he said, you are right, that's what the law says, you're right, go ahead and stone her to death, then Jesus would lose his reputation as being loving and merciful. On the other hand, if Jesus had said, wait up, hold up, let's pause here for a minute, let's think about this, she deserves forgiveness, she deserves another chance, then they would have said, well, you think it's okay to break the law of Moses. So no matter what Jesus answered, they were just trying to put him in a spot that would back him into a corner. And so we come to verse number six, and it says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, and he started to write on the ground with his finger. I want you to picture this with me. This woman has been caught. She's full of shame. She's hurting. She's barely clothed. 
And the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and ask, should we stone her? Jesus doesn't respond. He does something so interesting, so unique in this moment. The Bible says that he kneels down and he starts doodling in the sand. He starts writing something with his finger. And that raises the question for us today. It raises the question, what did Jesus write? What, what was he writing? The answer is that we don't know for certain, but there are some clues. We know that Bible scholars have been debating what he wrote down for centuries. And, and a, a lot of them believe that he was listing their sins. And you may say, well, why would they think that? There are two reasons as to why scholars would believe that he was writing their sins. The first reason is that a later text actually says that Jesus was writing some things down against them. That's one reason. Pretty strong argument right there. A second reason is that there are actually two Greek words that are used, translated into the English language as, and it means as to write down. And, and the word is, and I think we have this for you, is the word graphen. It means to write down. That's what it means, to write down. And, and the, the pre-word there, the, the, the root word of it is kata. It's kata graphen. Kata means against. If you put the two Greek words together, you get, it, it literally means to write down against. That, that's the word that is used in this text. So whatever it is that Jesus is writing down, we know that it is something against someone. Um, and, and I love this because look at verse 7. It says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. We have to grab this context. Jesus is being questioned. Should we kill her? The law says we should. She should be put to death. And Jesus answers after writing on the ground, if any of you never sin, if you've never done wrong, go ahead, get a rock, and take your first shot at her. Again, the Greek language is being used, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but in, in the Greek language, when it's translated as anyone who is without sin, that phrase, anyone who is without sin, this text actually also means not only are you without sin, it also means but you didn't even want to sin. Not only are you without sin, but you've never wanted to sin. A lot of times we set the bar here and God's put the bar way up here. And, and, and I love this because I don't know about you. I'm just going to speak for myself for just a moment. There are a lot of times that I do not sin, but oh, Jesus, how badly I want to. Some of you looking at me cross-eyed in your recliner right now. Um, am, am I talking to anybody right now that you've ever wanted to sin, you've ever wanted to do the wrong thing? Am I the only one in this place? Well, practically, yeah, I'm the only one here, right? But here, here's the thing that I want you to grab. Not only are there times that, that I want to, what I want you to understand is, is that long before I was ever a pastor, 
I was a man. And sometimes, I'm just going to say it real clear so you can get this, I want to come out of pastor mode, and I want to go into man mode, and I, I want to bring some justice in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost to show some people that have ticked me off what the will of God is. And I'm sure you can relate with me. But Jesus said it's not just the ones who haven't sinned that can throw a rock. He says it's the ones that don't even want to. You've never even wanted to. That's a whole different ball game. So we continue reading in verse number eight. It says again, this is the second time, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The woman is caught. She's positioned to die. The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus and even ask him if they should stone her. And he says nothing, but he stoops down, writes something on the ground. He stands up and says, okay, boys, if you've never done anything and if you've never wanted to do anything wrong, take a shot at her. Go ahead and throw a stone in her direction. And then he starts writing on the ground again. And I love what the scripture says. It says that the older ones left first. It cracks me up that the old guys left first. I just have to picture for a moment that the old guys had been around long enough to see what was coming as Jesus was writing something down against them and they were smart enough to figure out, I see what's about to show up and I don't want to be here when it does because it'll speak to what I've done. And they left and the young and dumb ones hung around. They hung there till the end, not knowing what was about to come. And now, once the old and the young have left, Jesus is sitting there with this broken woman who, who is guilty. She is sinful. She is completely wrong. She deserves condemnation. And Jesus asks her a question. Where are those who condemned you? Has anyone condemned you? I would have to imagine that through her tears, when she answered him, it had to be through her tears. And she says, no one, sir. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. I want us to grab hold of this. She absolutely deserved condemnation. She was sinful. She was wrong. But by the grace of Jesus, he did not give her what she deserved, but instead he gave her mercy. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the mercy of God. I am thankful that God does not give me what I deserve in every single situation, but oftentimes he'll look past what I've done and he won't give me what I deserve. He'll give me what I need in that moment. And that is his mercy. That is his grace. The good news for you is that if you're in the same kind of place as this woman, You've done something wrong. You've missed the mark. 
maybe you would you would say in your own mind, Pastor, I, I just blew I, I just blew it. You know, I just really made a mess of this. And now I'm dealing with the shame and the guilt. Romans chapter 8 tells us, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say, therefore now, after counseling, therefore now, after you have proven yourself. It says, therefore now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even though she deserved condemnation, Jesus gave her mercy. Even though you may have done wrong and you deserve condemnation, God wants to give you mercy. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When those voices of condemnation and shame come against you and against your life, and and they begin to speak to you to tell you how bad you are, how pathetic you are, how you better not tell anyone because they'll think less of you, that you're always going to be this way, that you'll never change, that God doesn't love you, that you're not qualified, that you're too bad of a person. This is just the way you are. You have to remember, you are not what you did. You are not what people have said about you. You are not what what you say about yourself. You are what Christ says about you. And if you are in Christ, he says you are forgiven, you are free, that you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, that you are not your past. You are not what somebody did to you or against you. Even if you did wrong, that is not who you are. You are free in Jesus, forgiven in Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us condemnation. Jesus gives us mercy every single time. If we continue reading in this text, John chapter 8, verse number 11, I love Jesus' word to her. He said, go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave the life of sin. He's saying, be free, overcome this. You're not in bondage anymore. A lot of times when when I used to read that text, that scripture, I thought Jesus was basically saying, hey, I forgive you, but I need you to go now and not be bad anymore. I need you to go now and and be perfect. I need you to get it together and, and just not be bad anymore. But you have to understand the character of Jesus. He wasn't saying it like that. He was saying, Go now, you're free. Go now, you're forgiven. Go now in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go now because there's no condemnation in Christ. Go now because you're not called to live a life of shame. Go now, not back to the old life, but I want you to start living in the newness of who I am. He was giving her a commissioning to go, to leave this life. Not just to go and I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. No, he was saying, go now in the power of what I've done for you. Go now in the authority of what I have just completed in your life. He didn't say that, hey, you're going to need six months of counseling because you got daddy issues and because you got daddy issues, you always trying to find love in the wrong place and that's why you're in this condition you're in. That's not what Jesus does. Some of us, 
we think wrongly that we can't be healed, that we can't be delivered, that we cannot change. Some of us, we have been trapped for so long, and, and, and we've been trapped so, for so long, and we become hostage sometimes to shame, guilt, and condemnation. I believe that even if you feel that way, that one moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. When can it change? Right now. It can change right now in your life, in his presence. See, that which, which held you can change now. Sometimes what God does is a process, and I know we gotta walk it out, but there are other times, the Bible talks about it a lot, where God does a suddenly, where he does something now. It's not a, he does it now. I believe that today I'm prophetically speaking that for some people that have been held for a long time, this is not gonna be a process. This is gonna be a now moment. Now go be free. Now walk in power. Now live by faith. Now go do awesome things. Not, not a process, it's now go. Look at what I've done for you. Now go in the power of my spirit. Verse number 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You, you don't have to walk in darkness any longer. You see, when Jesus looked at her and he said this, and the verses preceding, he said, where are your condemners? And she said, there's no one here. They, they've all left Jesus. And he said these words, neither do I condemn you. At that moment, Jesus was not just the light of the world, but he became the light of her world. See, when the light of the world becomes the light of your world, you never have to walk in darkness. The light always defeats the darkness. Some of you, it's gonna get real personal for you in your life right now in this moment. Because when Jesus is no longer the light of the world, but he becomes the light of your world, you never have to walk in darkness again because he overcame sin. He already overcame what you're struggling with. He already overcame that addiction. He already uh, overcame that sickness. He already overcame that shame, that guilt, and that condemnation. He defeated it on the cross. There is no sin in my life, no sin in your life that is more powerful than the grace of Jesus. Even if you stumble and fall back into something that you previously had come out of, and those voices come back into your life saying you're nothing, you're no good, you're inadequate, God could never love you, you need to tell the devil, fall back. Fall back, devil. You gotta call him out. You gotta recognize the difference between the voice of the accuser and the voice of the one who died for you. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, the truth will set us free, but the truth is not an idea. The truth is a person. The truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. 
Jesus is the truth. And the truth is, you are forgiven. The truth is, you don't have to live in condemnation. The truth is, you are healed. The truth is, you are delivered. The truth is, is that the power that lives in you is greater than the power that's in the world. The truth is, he's not just the light of the world, but he's the light of my world. He's the light of your world. And he wants to light up every dark place that the enemy has tried to bring against you to bring a cloud of darkness. He wants to break that today in the name of Jesus. I know you're not physically here, but I'm believing by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Ghost is going to invade that bedroom, that kitchen, that living room, and the power of shame and guilt and condemnation be broken in the name of Jesus. I declare it. I decree it. It will be established in your life today. It'll be established in your life today. He said, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't miss this. The woman deserved it. She deserved condemnation. She was wrong. But she did not get what she deserved. She received mercy. Maybe you say, Pastor, I did wrong. I really did mess up. Join the club. Who hasn't done wrong? That's why they all dropped their rocks that day and they went on home. Because they recognize if I throw a stone at her, I, I have to allow people to throw a stone at me. Don't miss this. We deserve condemnation. But Jesus has already given us his mercy. What love. What, what grace he has given to us that he has shared with us. See, whenever we follow the light of the world, we don't have to walk in darkness. We can, we can operate in healing. We, we can walk in healing for ourselves, healing for our families. Some of us, we, we've just carried shame and guilt so long. We've carried it so long. Some of you, you've carried shame and guilt and you didn't even do anything wrong. It's, it's what was done to you. And Satan has now twisted it in your mind that you deserved it. You deserve to be mistreated or abused or abandoned. You think well, it must be my fault. Something is wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. And I, I just want to tell you, you may, you may feel like you deserve condemnation. But Jesus came to give you mercy. In the presence of Jesus, you can be free right now. If you have condemnation, if you have shame, if you have guilt, maybe you feel trapped in the presence of Jesus, you can be free. If I'm speaking to you today, if this is a word that you know it's for you, and you know you've been under a cloud of shame and guilt and condemnation, and, and maybe it happened years ago. It's, it's way in your past, but you still carry the baggage of it. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we ask you that in this moment that you break the power of shame, break the power of condemnation. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and we speak healing to those that need hope. God, we pray for those that feel trapped. We pray that in your presence, things would begin changing. 
that in this moment, everything is about to change. We pray that you bring supernatural deliverance and supernatural healing in this moment. Lift the darkness, break the condemnation in Jesus' name. God, we know we deserve condemnation, but you came and you gave us mercy and we give you praise for it right now. Right there, wherever you're watching, go ahead and take a praise break. Begin praising God for what he's doing in your heart, what he's doing in your mind, what he's lifting off of your life, off of your family, off of your children, what he's breaking, generational curses, have no chance against the blood of Jesus. We declare the blood of Jesus and we, we know that we overcome by it and we overcome by the word of our testimony. We declare it today in Jesus' name. Be healed, be free in Jesus' name. Now I wanna to speak to those that the truth is you've not committed your life to Jesus. You've not, you've not made a decision to make him the Lord of your life. You would say, Pastor, I have sin in my heart. I'm not right with God. I need his grace. I need this mercy you were talking about. And I need to make him the Lord of my life. If I am talking to you right now, I want you to pray this with me. I want you to pray it out loud wherever you're watching. Just, just confess. The Bible says all we got to do is confess with our mouth, believe it in our heart that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again, and that he did it for us. So simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. We believe that if you prayed that prayer, you are now a child of God. You are born again. I just need you to do one thing for us. If you made that decision today, I want you to text the word SAVED, the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, SAVED. Text that, that word to 304 396-0488. That will help us connect with you to help you take your next step. Thank you so much for joining us today at Bethesda. We, we're so excited about what God is doing. I know that we're not gathering right now, but I am thankful for technology that we can bring the gospel. When you can't come here, we can bring it right there into your house. And so we celebrate that. We're excited about what he's doing. We're gonna do one more worship song. During this last worship song, just turn your house, whatever space you're in, turn it into a time of worship and a time of prayer. We deserve condemnation, but Jesus has given us mercy. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to www.bethesdachurch.tv. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.